So, quite a challenging sermon today. Part two, Tim did part one last week of Jesus' sermon on what it means to be followers of Christ, to be church. And as last week, Tim intimated that it is a challenging sermon. And so, I think it's important to keep in mind the reassurance that we get from Jesus. I think it's quite uh, a profound reassurance. Even in the next chapter, Matthew 16, where he says, yes, indeed, for humans, it's impossible. But everything is possible for God. So keep that in mind. So, in Matthew, Jesus and his followers have been on a journey of discovery about the true nature of God and his kingdom. They've been witnessing God in action, loving action, in the person of Jesus. And now, towards the end of his earthly ministry, Jesus is teaching his followers about what it's going to mean to be his witnesses in the world, to bring hope to the world, and the responsibilities that go with being part of his kingdom on earth, being his church. And again, as Tim explained last week, church is a kind of word that we're familiar with, but uh, Jesus' listeners would also have been familiar with the word, but in a slightly different way, because for them it was very clear. It meant God's people, the assembly of God, the gathering, which is what it literally means, ecclesia. And here, it's referring to the people who claim me, Jesus, as their head, as their Lord. If you like, my team. Nothing to do with a building, nothing to do with a village or a country or an ethnicity or a diocese. It's simply, if you're in my team, these are responsibilities. Or if you want to say it, if you want to honour me, you need to pay attention to these things because you are witnesses to the kingdom of God in the world. So he's speaking particularly to his followers. Now last time I spoke in the summer, I felt very strongly that God wanted me to speak about him, about the kind of God he really is. And we looked at Exodus 34, particularly verses 6 and 7. And I, if... <coughs> If you want to look at the Old Testament, I'd say that's the first place to look. Because if you remember, it's where God comes down. He spends 40 days teaching Moses intimately. And the very first thing he teaches is not a commandment or a law. It's, you need to know this is who I really am. And I think it's important because I think we often have a slightly warped view about who God the Father really is, especially his character, his relationship with us, impacted by the world, our worldly view of God. Whereas God is saying, this is all you need to know. It echoes our Old Testament reading in Psalm 103. Echo those words. Because he says, if you remember, I am deeply, deeply loving. I am generously gracious. I'm long-suffering or patient. Clock that word because uh, Jesus uses it in his sermon. I'm long-suffering. I'm overwhelmingly, abundantly loving and true. And this is how you know because I'm also unremittingly forgiving. I keep 
lifting you up, dusting you off, putting you back on your feet. And again, forgive, the second word, to clock, because we sometimes bandy it about, but actually literally, to the listeners of Jesus, and what it literally means in the Bible, is I lift the burden from you, I take it upon myself, I carry it away. Any speck, any blemish, any failure, all are removed and gone. And of course that was acted out in the life, death and resurrection of Jesus. As his church, members of his team, God expects us to take our calling seriously, to learn how to be, if you like, team players, which brings us to the second part of his sermon in Matthew 18 on what it means to be church in the world. And he does this in a way that's very familiar to us and to his disciples. He tells us a parable. We have a king settling his accounts. And the first thing to notice is how Jesus starts. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who? Now by the time of Jesus, the Jewish people had stopped using God's name. It was far too holy. And that's the case for the Jewish people today. And therefore they had many euphemisms when they wanted to name God. The most common, obviously, we're familiar with is Lord, or in Greek, Adonai. We see it all through scripture. But they also use the kingdom of heaven. So I want to suggest to you, when you read this, that Jesus is saying, God is like a king who, and then he goes on to tell us a parable about God, about his church, his servants, about us. So, one of God's servants speaks to him, and he says, Master, be long-suffering. Patient, that word. In other words, it's as though he's saying, be who you claim to be. Be long-suffering and I will pay you what I owe. Give me time, I'll pay. God's response is quite amazing. First, his heart, two things. He has compassion. And again, that word really means that he was deeply, deeply moved and compassionate. And then he acts. Basically, he says, forget it. There's no debt. It says he forgave the debt, but remember that little, that second word, forgive again. It means he took what was owed onto himself, carried it away, as if it never existed. Which again is exactly what Jesus has done for us. That abundant love that at one level makes no worldly sense. Now the servant is faced with the same request. One of his brethren, a fellow servant of God, has a debt to pay. And he uses exactly the same words. He says, be long-suffering and I'll pay you what I owe. 
But this time the response is the opposite of God's. Firstly, there is no trace of compassion. And secondly, in his action, he doesn't say, okay, I'll wait, or, well, let's see if we can work things out. His action is violent. I want vengeance. I want my pound of flesh. I want this to hurt. And Jesus says in his sermon, this is totally unacceptable for a servant of God. This lack of compassion, and above all, this desire for vengeance. And as his followers, knowing that we've been forgiven everything, we are called to show the same grace to fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, I don't believe that that means anything goes. It doesn't matter what I do. You have to forgive me because I'm a fellow Christian. And I think if you look at Paul's letters, he's quite strong on this. It doesn't mean anything goes. He says, by no way. Yes, it does mean that we have a responsibility in our behaviour towards one another. How we behave together as Christian church members matters. But, when we don't act as we ought, I think if you read this sermon, forgiveness follows once a debt, a wrong, has been honestly acknowledged and forgiveness sought. Now, whilst compassion may be easily learned, it's, it can be an act of will, I can choose to be compassionate. I'm going to suggest, I don't know about you, but certainly for me, forgiving often requires God's help, usually requires God's help. Again, for humans it's impossible, but for God all things are possible. I'm sure we've all experienced times when the wrong that we've experienced, the hurt, the debt owed is so deep that we have to pray. Lord, help me to forgive, because I can't do it. And again, I don't know about you, but I've got to the stage where, in the Lord's Prayer, where it says, forgive us our debts as we forgive others, always under my breath, that follows with, Lord, please help me forgive, because I know I can't do it in my own strength. And we may even have experienced, certainly I have, I don't know about you, where even with that prayer, even praying for a specific person, it may take several years for God to be able to take that burden from us, for us to reach a place of forgiveness. And I say these things really in hopes to reassure, coming back to the same thing, as Jesus knows, as he says in the next chapter, for humans it's impossible for God, everything is possible. So it should always, I'm going to suggest, lead us to Jesus and to prayer, the centre of all that we do, which was really where part one of the sermon ended last week with Tim, which we'll come to in a minute. So let's review our journey through Jesus' sermon on what it means to be part of his church, part of his team, 
And I'm going to suggest three things to take away that brings together both parts of the sermon <clears throat> that he gave in Matthew 18. First, number one, we need to recognise we are his witnesses to the wider world. How we are together matters. And it's why he devoted a complete sermon to our responsibilities as his people. Matthew is structured and there are five sermons and this is the fourth. So it's obviously important to Jesus. And I'm sure we've all come across situations where we've heard people say, well, if they're a Christian, dot, dot, dot. Number two. <coughs> we saw in part one last week that in our behaviours with one another, we're called to walk in humility, to avoid creating discord within the church, to care for those who are struggling in the church, who need help or support, whether it's physical or spiritual, to speak truth to one another, but quietly and lovingly. It's not about avoiding stuff. And above all, when praying together, to acknowledge that we do this in the presence of Jesus. He is here participating with us. That something special, something holy is happening when we, his church, pray together. So how we act as church matters. Our behaviours towards one another are important. And thirdly, we need to learn to deal with compassion towards those who seek forgiveness from us. Recognising that we have been forgiven everything. Despite any flaws, there is no debt to pay. Christ has done it all. And to seek to be generous in our forgiveness. That when someone asks us for forgiveness, and remember he's particularly talking about brethren, people in the church, ask forgiveness of one another, acknowledging they have a debt to pay, then we are called to forgive as we have been forgiven. And of course, comes back to the centre of everything. Often, if not always, we need God's help to do this, to overcome our own hurt. So how we are together matters. The world is watching. They need to see us behaving with each other, demonstrating humility, honesty and care, and that we pray together knowing Jesus as present and participating. And we need to acknowledge our debts, our errors, seeking forgiveness from the one that we have wronged and having compassion in our own forgiving. A tall order. So let us pray. I invite you to join me. Heavenly Father, we know 
that you have forgiven us everything, that you are love in abundance, forgiveness in abundance. And we acknowledge that we, your church, have a responsibility within this world, a world that needs hope. We need to bring hope. And in order to do so, Lord, we need you in your indwelling of us to help us to be a good witness to the world, to bring hope to the world in our behaviour within the church, that we behave with care and humility and honesty. And above all, Lord, we need you to help us to be a compassionate and forgiving people. And we know, Lord, that we can only do this in your strength and not our own. So we ask this in the name of the one who has done this for us, in the name of your precious Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.